when you're interviewing someone, if you just immediately like them, if you're recruiting them to be a best friend and a dinner party guest, fine. But you're probably not. And in my view, you know, when you're a, an entrepreneur and you're hiring people to do stuff that you used to do yourself, you should always be looking for someone who can do it better than you could. Because then you're never tempted to go back and do it yourself. <laughs> and it'll be done. listening to the Align Remotely podcast, the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Welcome, welcome back. Today we are speaking with Nancy Schlesinger for part two of our conversation, uh, expert recruiter Nancy Schlesinger, and she shares various hiring war stories which help illustrate why screening for motivation is really important even when you're recruiting uh, as it helps find the best fit candidates and screens out uh, ones which aren't great. Uh, how to formulate insightful interview questions based on role requirements, and also why trying to recruit clones of yourself is often a bad idea. And let's dig into the show. So I know you you wrote a booklet about objectives uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, oh, God, it was more like 14 or 15 years ago. <laughs> um, when you go out to hire, should you have those objectives clear for the person you're hiring for before you go or is that something you work out independently of the hiring process no it's a good idea to have those really clear and um, before you start because really those should tie into your overall company objectives you know if you've got your company objectives up here and then you've got perhaps yours and someone else's and this new person's or they're down here somewhere all those things should be tied together so I'd have them worked out and it may be even put them in your job advertisement hmm. and say, the, these are the things we want you to achieve in your first six months or your first year. Yeah. So tell me about a interesting hiring case study. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I will tell you about the, the worst, one of the worst examples I came across and it was a company I worked at where I, I'm not going to mention them. And they hired this new manager. And I remember my manager bursting in and saying, oh, we just hired this new person. And these are the best results we've ever seen in our hiring process for this person. Absolutely phenomenal results. And we had this two day event that you had to go through. It was massive, uh, really thorough. And you did like group things, you did individual things, you did written tests, you presented. It was, I had to go through it myself when I was a graduate trainee. And it was really, you know, quite hard work. Anyway, this guy arrives and he takes over one of the production lines. And <laughs> within three months, a third of his people had left. The output had gone through the floor. The efficiency was really poor. And the quality had dropped massively. So 
the guy who was in charge of that area came over to me and said, oh, we, we'd like you to take over this department and turn it around, please, because that was the kind of thing I was sort of known for by then. And, and I said, right, what do you think the problem is? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, we don't know. We, we'd like you to find out. I thought, are you serious? You don't know. <laughs> it's like a simple graph. Guy joins and the line just goes down. I mean, it really was that basic. Now, the thing is, the reason I think that is such an appalling failure is not because of the result they got at that stage. Obviously, they should have done something way before three months and before those other people had left. But because what they didn't do was go back and say, where is our process failing? What did we get wrong there? Because they put other people through who were fine, including myself. But clearly, the fact this guy had the best results ever indicated that didn't mean he was going to be the best ever production manager. Now, he was actually a really nice guy. No doubt about that. He was phenomenally intelligent, spoke goodness knows how many languages and all sorts of other things. But that's one of the reasons why I'm sure you're aware we've got this 12-month guarantee that we have with our candidates. Now, I know that's nice for our clients and, and they generally really like that. But actually, the reason is for us, because it means we have to look back and rehire if we get it wrong. So that means we automatically look back through our whole process and identify how did we get this wrong. Mm. And I can tell you the main reason <laughs> things go wrong is because we didn't follow the process. Wow. So it's when a client's, oh, we're in a real hurry and can you just do this? Can you sort of, we just pay you half and you do half of it and the stuff. And every time we do that, I say, that's it. We're never doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> and we really are never doing it again now because it always ends up costing us way more um, than the clients paid for it and the job is not well done. So that's one of the key reasons. The other one is where we didn't get the job right in the first place. We had one where the clients thought the job was going to be, say, 70% dealing with the actual clients and customers and 30% doing admin. And we got this spectacularly good candidate who they absolutely loved. And it turned out the job was the other way around. It was 30% dealing with clients, 70% admin. And she wanted the client-facing bit. That was the bit she really loved. But the thing is, when I looked back at that, I really don't know how we could have got that better because it was a totally new job. So it was hard to predict. So that was an unfortunate one. I think those are the two main things. But the other thing, the other one, and this is really useful for, for anyone listening who is thinking of hiring people, is if there are one or two things that are a little bit off in the process, those are often a real flag. So if someone's late for an interview, that is not a good sign. Mm. If they just don't check their spam and miss your emails, that's not a good sign. If their correspondence with you is not good, that's not a good sign. You know, if they don't send things back very quickly. Now, one of those things can be just a glitch. But once it starts turning into two or three, yeah. warning bells should be ringing. And however good they are, if you have to keep chasing the candidate, that's really, I can't think of a single candidate we've had to chase a lot who's turned out to be a good candidate. So I throw those out there for you. <laughs> One of the things that I was really referring back to a lot was the aspect of motivation. And I think you can even mm. see it there. If they aren't 
really motivated to mm. do, do this job or join this company, then it's going to be really hard to yeah. motivate them later externally. Yeah. And it may be they also have other jobs on the go and they're yeah. not as interested in and your job there's all kinds of reasons but just ask ask the candidate but it's a real indicator mm. we had one candidate who made several little typos in an email that she'd sent and and we rejected her and we we gave she asked why we said here we are this is a job where you're going to be emailing high level clients and so this is high net worth people you just can't be doing this. Oh, that wasn't my fault. It's because I did it on my phone while I was stopped at the traffic lights. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was the right decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of working from outside the office, mm -hmm. now that things have changed over the last year, everyone's working from home. How has that impacted mm -hmm. I guess just hiring first on a, on a well, level. Good question. As far as hiring people at the moment is concerned, at the beginning of COVID, we did have a couple of clients just cancel the whole thing perfectly understandably. Um, and I was absolutely expecting that. But we've had other people where it's been the opposite and they're just busier and busier. We have seen, I think, in some cases, lower standards of candidates because I think a lot of people are just really desperate. So they're going for stuff that they wouldn't normally be going for. And we've possibly had more candidates on quite a few jobs. But the thing that really surprised us was we actually had some candidates turning the job down. Now, that is incredibly rare for us because by the time they get a job offer, they have been through a lot of hoops and they've put in a lot of effort and we've really carefully filtered them and know exactly what to expect. So we wouldn't really have expected them to put them up that much effort in if they were going to turn the job down. Mm. But what it turned out to be was people were quite reluctant if they'd already got a job and some security mm. exactly yet to take a risk. And also benefits have become quite a lot more important to people than they were. Mm. So if they're not going to get the benefits they would like, then that again um, is an issue. Speaking with various friends and others here, that onboarding, I think, is really complicated, especially at first mm. when everybody was just starting. So both for the employee who's coming into a totally mm. new context. Yeah. And everyone's remote, so they can't go and yeah. talk to someone. And also for the managers, too. How do you get someone integrated if everyone's just sitting at their laptop? Oh. One of the key points here is that working remotely is not something that suits everyone by a long way. One of the recruitment mistakes I made years ago was my first PA was a fantastic woman. She was incredibly efficient, really accurate in all her work, really keen. But it was my first foray into just having someone else who worked for me that was remote, basically. Yeah. And she got unbelievably lonely. And it had never occurred to me that could be a problem. There are people for whom working remotely is great. They absolutely love it. But there are others for whom it really is not great and they'll need to be back in an office once that happens. So if you're a remote person and you like working from home, onboarding isn't as difficult because yeah. you're not the person who needs all that face-to-face -face interaction. But if you are, that's difficult. Onboarding should be 
you know, the same sort of process, whether you're remote or not. I mean, all our people are remote and we just talk to them, get them to meet everyone. And we, we do have more telephone conversations than a normal company would because that's our equivalent of the coffee meeting around the water cooler. But we hire people we know like working in that way. So that makes it easier. I, I definitely take the point that with remote work, not everyone likes it. And, and even to, to some extent, what we have now isn't really remote work in a way anyway, no. because if you can't leave the house, <laughs> then, <laughs> it's like, uh, is that remote work? I think the whole point of it's more that you can follow your own uh, mm. preferences, set up your environment the way you like, and then it makes a lot of sense. Mm. But if it's imposed, then that's different. I mean, there's other things about it about monitoring employees and there have been some I don't know, there's some software isn't there where they take a, a sort of shot of your screen every so often things and I am not really a fan of that kind of thing if you have to do that I wonder if you're managing people well or if you've got the right people or or what really because that's the kind of performance management that is how many hours do you spend at your desk instead of what do you actually achieve yeah. And that's it's a lesson I learned a long time ago that there's a big difference between people who just put the hours in and people who actually achieve the stuff. What but you can, do? yeah, you, you can change that by the way you manage them. And if you manage people for how many hours they spend at their desk, then you get what you deserve. <laughs> I think, really. Yeah. There was a guy I used to work with who was a really superb electronics engineer, absolutely brilliant. And one day I went up to him and asked him to do something for me. And he just point blank refused. And I said, what? And he said, well, I'm not here. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm on holiday. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I, I come in on my holiday so I can work on the projects I think are really important and I want to work on. And no one can tell me to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was late every morning he was five minutes late because he could either get up an hour earlier and get the bus that got him in half an hour early or he could get up the time he wanted to get up and get in five minutes late now in this company you were basically automatically fired for regular lateness right. so they had to bend over backwards to accommodate this person but he was a brilliant yeah, brilliant engineer yeah. and it just made me think yeah there's something wrong with this policy <laughs> <laughs> So it's getting these results. And if it's bringing a guy in on his holiday, clearly he's a good employee. <laughs> We're certainly committed. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's managers who are insecure and, and think their people aren't doing what they should be doing. You really have to look at that and why you've got that situation. My experience is that a lot of people actually spend more time working when they're working remotely than they, they would if they were in the office. But the ones who get lonely, I think that's just awful for them. And ideally, you wouldn't really want those people doing that. Going on with the, the remote thing, I mean, what about hiring processes when you're hiring outside of your home country? We use the same same process, basically. Mm -hmm. We're not experts in the legal side. We can't because in the States, you've got different legal requirements for every single state. Yeah. So we have to rely on the clients on that side. But... Yeah, same process. You identify what it is you actually need. You identify your criteria. You test people against those criteria. Hmm. Are there any cultural 
considerations at all? We just work in the English-speaking world, so it may be that we haven't really come across... Needed to, basically. Yeah, I mean, I know... I don't know if this is going to sound racist, but I think there's a different attitude in Australia to America. Mm. One of the things that's really different is the amount of holidays you get in America compared to the amount of holidays you get. Well, you actually get them, don't you? In in Australia, it's really different. When we were, we've got this client client who wants someone, you know, quite soon. We said, we'll start advertising straight after Christmas. And he said, well, there's really no point in starting it on the 4th of January because nobody's going to be thinking about it waiting <laughs> for the next week. Whereas in, in America, it's like, yeah, get that ad up straight away, 4th of January. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. Any other fun stories <laughs> or learnings that you have that you want to share with the audience? Um, what would be some particular issues that people have had? I will share a story of a candidate that this is a friend of mine who I I gave some tips to on interviewing. And this is absolutely true. I don't know how relevant it is, but it really made me laugh. It's a candidate for a place at medical school. And obviously, they're really highly sought after. And the candidates there in the interview is absolutely true. And partly through the interview, his phone rang. And my friend was thinking, well, that happens. He wasn't particularly concerned. But then the candidate actually answered the phone. Mm. <laughs> and he's going, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm in an interview at the moment. Yeah, it's going quite well. <laughs> <laughs> just staggering. My daughter, it turns out, is actually very good at assessing application forms. So during the COVID stuff, when she didn't have any work, she was doing some assessment for us. And it made me think that, Anyone applying for jobs should spend some time reviewing application forms because people don't check their spelling, they don't read the questions, they don't answer the questions. It's like, why do they do that? But on the other side of it, you have to be really careful about chucking people out for not spelling things correctly or poor answers if that's not relevant to the job. If you're looking for someone to work in a warehouse, it actually probably doesn't matter if they make spelling mistakes, typos and stuff. But if they get the numbers bit wrong, that probably is a problem. If they can't count out 20 things compared to 50, that's not good. So I think one of the key things is to focus on what you really need rather than easy things. Another thing people sometimes do is they put candidates through far too much, which you you need to be really careful. What do we actually need to know? And then let's find that out and then let's make the decision and do it relatively quickly you know don't keep people hanging on for several months because you will lose the good people that's we've had that before now where really good candidates have just got another job because they've just been kept hanging on for so long yeah and that's really a shame but in some ways you think well yeah I, I don't blame them at all because why would you want to work for a company that treated you like that and I think it's always worth remembering that You need to treat candidates properly, whether they get the job or not, because those people will then go out and talk to other people about your company or they'll put reviews and things out there. And not getting back to candidates, oh, goodness, that's one of the things that we often hear from candidates when we send them a note to say they haven't got the job. Um, And then we ask if they like feedback and quite a lot of them ask for feedback and most of the candidates really like to get feedback 
Mm. And they'll say, well, people don't usually even let us know we haven't got the job. (laughs) And to me, it's so easy now to send a person a quick email. Hi, Luke. Thanks for your application, putting all the efforts in. Really sorry. Unfortunately, we can't take your application forward. Good luck finding a job. That's all it needs to be. Mm. But a lot of companies just don't do that. And it, even when you're recruiting for waitresses or waiters or anything, you still can do that because it's so easy now just to do that almost automatically. Yeah. So I would urge people to be nice to your candidates if you possibly can. One more question. With interviewing, how do you choose questions? Do you have like a, right. a standard set? Do you do no. it based on these variables you're going for? Yeah. Yeah. We base them all on the criteria of what we're looking for. I know some people have their favorite questions, but the trouble is you've got to ask yourself, what information is that going to give me that will enable me to make a decision about whether this person could do the job or not? And all your questions should be identifying that. Now, we do check most of our criteria in two different contexts. So we check them, say, on an application form and we check them in a spoken, you know, written or sorry, an audio or visual interview, because sometimes people behave quite differently in different contexts. So there are people who are really good on written stuff, but aren't actually very good face to face. And there are people who are good face to face but not good in a written context. And depending on the job, that may or may not matter. So don't make decisions on stuff that doesn't matter, which a lot of people do. Going back to the very first thing we talked about when I was looking at people we'd hired who really weren't very good at the job, a lot of them were hired because they were just nice to talk to. Mm. They'd be a really good team member. So they'll chat and they'll get on with everyone. But actually... That's not always what you want. You don't want someone on a production line who's just always going to be chatting with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds basic, but it, it's true. And it's not what you want quite often in lots of other jobs. One of the things in that Tim Harford book I was talking about was he looked at financial investment clubs. That's right, investment clubs and how well they did. And the investment clubs that were just a group of friends doing it as like a hobby were nothing like as successful as the ones who weren't friends and were doing it more to make money. And the reason for that was when someone in the the group of friends would come up with a proposal or say, no, we shouldn't invest in this or something that's a bit controversial, they would just kind of shelve that and didn't want to discuss it in case people fell out Hmm. because their main goal was everyone staying friends. Whereas the groups where they were doing it more professionally and they didn't mind if they fell out. They just wanted to make the right decision, did better. And that was, yeah, a a very useful little insight there in my view. So you have to be really wary. It's called the halo effect when you're interviewing someone, if you just immediately like them. If you're recruiting them to be a best friend and a dinner party guest, fine. But you're probably not. And in my view, you know, when you're a, uh, an entrepreneur and you're hiring people to do stuff that you used to do yourself, you should always be looking for someone who can do it better than you could. Because then you're never tempted to go back and do it yourself. 
<laughs> and it'll be done. One more question. So how do you or and or your clients think about hiring generalists? Depends what the role is. If you want someone, if you're, you're a like one person band and you're looking for someone to be a VA and, and do loads of stuff for you, then you probably do want uh, a generalist. And it's probably only as you get bigger that you want specialists. The way we do it is we have various incredibly long-term contractors that are the specialists to do. We've got um, some people who do all our design work. They're specialists. We can never do that. I mean, God, I'd never do that myself. And other technical stuff. We just have specialists who do those things. I'm more of a generalist. And I think Charlie's probably, yeah, she's more of a generalist. Depends on what you're looking for, what you need. The, the key is, what do I need this person to achieve? And if you're hiring a, a sort of assistant, we've got someone at the moment who wants some help with that. And what I've advised him to do is over the next week, just jot down as he's going all the things he would like that person to do if they were there. And by the end of the week, I think we'll have a really useful list. And then I can look at it and go, you are not going to get a person to do all this. Or I can say, you know, it's just three jobs. Or, or I can say, yeah, we can get a generous suit. But until I've got the actual information, hmm. it's hard to know. But I think they are going to be a bit of a generous. But you see, that also depends on how rapidly does this person want to grow their company. If he's looking to grow very quickly in the next year, then you want someone who's going to be able to take that and really get that moving and probably hire two or three other people, yeah. then that's going to change what you hire, isn't it? Because you'd still want this to be there in a year's time. And maybe you want somebody who specializes in this but can hire these other people. It's going to depend on your long-term goals. So mm -hmm. I've asked him to identify his five, I think one, two, and five-year goals so we can look at that and make some sensible decisions. In this fast-moving environment, though, things will change. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just have to adapt at that point. Yeah. Great. How do people get in touch with you to find out more? Email me, nancy at vinehouse.com. That's a pretty common route. And we've got a Facebook and a LinkedIn group. I'll send you the links for those. Yeah, I'd be very happy for people to, to join those where we hope to share ideas and thoughts and questions. Because if you've got a question, if you're having trouble, you can guarantee other people will ha be having that same problem. And hope is that someone would have solved it in some Already. way. <laughs> but one other thing to remember um, here is it's actually quite a fast moving environment. So on the advertising, the job advertising in particular, the people, the places where you advertise changes more frequently than you think. And the way the advertising works, it's a bit like Google, which I'm sure you're familiar with and Google slaps and that kind of stuff. So if you did it a year ago and it worked, it may not work now. <laughs> which is right. kind of annoying. And the job title might have changed. It really can happen like that. So in that forum, you know, we'll be looking at those things and we'll be helping each other on those, I hope. So yeah, anyone who wants to, to ask a question or some support, great, please get in touch. Great, thank you. That was a great discussion with Nancy, and I think my favorite takeaway from this discussion is how she advises breaking down particular tasks that a person needs to do um, from something quite abstract by just going throughout a week, jotting down all the things you want the person to do if they were there, uh, because I think that helps a lot in terms of clarifying 
your own sense of what it is that you want to happen by hiring someone. Um, Tune in next week where we will be speaking with an expert in who's actually really won out during the pandemic and why that's happened. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Align Remotely podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.